But what we've realized is that we have had the most meaningful relationships, the most meaningful products, the most impactful products when we're able to come in as early as possible to explore all the possibilities as to what the client may need to work on. They may choose a different problem than what they originally yeah. came to us thinking about. They may choose, oh, actually, oh, I see what's going on here. We may need to start with something else first and reprioritize what we need to work on. And so again, this is an effect to get in with clients earlier so that we right. can be able to help them um, earlier in, in that opportunity funnel, but also make a more meaningful contribution. Welcome back, Daniel Linhart. How are you today? I am doing fantastic, George. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I want to jump into a new topic today. Yes. And I think we're gonna we're gonna spend a little time here because Crema has this thing that you know about, I know about, maybe others don't know about, mm. where we set um ideally a few goals. Mm. In the past, let's be yeah. honest, we've we've sometimes overcommitted in in our goal setting. Yeah, we you know, that's easy to do. It really yeah. is. Uh, yeah, yeah. We can do that. We can do that. Yeah. We can also yeah, we do, that. do all the things. Yeah. We right. have all the time in the world and that's just not true. Um, we set a few goals, which we refer to as our vital few mm-hmm. because they should be few, but they are kind of some of the most important things that we're looking at as an organization, as a team. Each year we set a new, um, new group of those and mm-hmm. we have three this year and I want to take some time with you to walk through what those those three um, vital th- few goals are and and kind of unpack them. Uh, why are mm-hmm. they important to us right now? What's why why this, why now? And um, I really just kind of show a little behind the scenes of how we prepare our year going into for this for us, this episode is coming out in 2022. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to it in the future, this is a blast from the past. We don't know what the future holds. <laughs> we don't know what the future holds. We don't. We don't. We do our um, best. But yeah. We just don't. I mean, nobody can predict nobody could have predicted the last couple of years. So <laughs> um let's jump in first to um we're just gonna take one at a time. And so you gotta wait for the other two to even find out what they are. So mm. keep listening, make sure you subscribe, all that good stuff. Ooh, um, suspense. Yeah, I yeah, like little, it. Little finger right at the uh-huh. Um I want to jump into our first, and this is this idea that we really are excited um, about an area that we've been actually practicing for a long time, mm-hmm. but we wanted to put a more assertive effort into um, honing our craft or honing the skills to do this really, really well. Mm-hmm. And we're f- referring to it, at least internally, we may not market it this way, but we're referring it to it, referring to it internally as our exploratory services. Mm-hmm. And so we want to deepen that craft. We want to go, and I think the statement, um, the goal, the vital few is actually to, we will deepen our craft and exploratory services. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Is that what mm-hmm. you're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Deepen our exploratory services. Yep. There we go. Yep. Um, so a little background, maybe, maybe Dan, you could unpack a little bit. We've been doing exploratory, exploratory type work since, really since day one. Mm-hmm. What makes <clears throat> this moment in time maybe the way we're approaching it right now different mm-hmm. or maybe what are we trying to refine versus what we've been doing for the last 12, 13 years? Mm. Yeah. Good question. I think, uh, so originally, um, when we were working with clients around, you know, whether it was a website or an application, whatever 
product we were working. One thing that was always true of us, mainly because of just our passion and just kind of like the DNA of user experience within us, it was almost impossible not to ask questions. <laughs> it was almost it was impossible. Yeah. yeah, it was almost impossible not to try to explore, if you will, the context to which something was going to be built. And so early days, you know, our, our bread and butter was almost only uh, design and development. And so clients would come to us with a lot of maybe that exploratory work or upfront strategy or kind of vision casting, if you will, completely done. And then we would work on them. Or at least the, the confidence that they thought it was done. Right, right. Yeah. And so they would come to us more of, hey, we we have a problem. We've created the solution in our heads, our vision, and we'd like mm -hmm. you to build this. And so we'd work with them. Uh, and almost always, if not 100% always, it, we would get to the point to where we wouldn't necessarily backtrack, but we would maybe start a cycle of iteration within the, the the project to where, well, let's back up a little bit and ask some more questions as to how this decision was made, why this decision, what are you learning? What are you experiencing in the market? Because you're the experts in your industry, you know, client A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. um, help us to understand that context. And then when they started to do that, that would even give us more questions. Yep. You know, how, if your client or your end user is like this, how did you get to this conclusion? What other options were you exploring? And so that's always been true of us. Right. No matter why what we've done. Why this solution? Why this feature? Why right. now? Yeah. Right. And so I would say about f six years ago, maybe even seven, we started uh, introducing a service called Product Strategy. And we even had mm -hmm. roles um, on our team called Product Strategists. And the main goal of that role was to operate from a strategic point of view. Yeah. Um, what's different now, um, again, very similar. And so there is nuance here, but we wanted to kind of put our flag in the ground to state that our, who we are and part of who we are is we want to be at the beginning with you. Mm -hmm. So even now, you know, uh, and we do this, we're doing this more and more, but we still get to that point to where a lot of clients, when they come to us, it's, we have a problem. We think we have a good idea for the solution. We'd love for you to help us suss that out a little bit more and then move yeah. forward. And that's really, it is a great space for us to come into. But what we've seen is that we are wanting to move further up that, you know, you might call it a value chain or an opportunity chain, opportunity funnel to where clients are coming to us with, we, we're sensing something here. Yep. We know that there's something that we're not seeing or we're missing something and we'd like you to help us figure it out. The reason that is, is and it's not just to toot our own horn, um, even though we are very good at this work, but what we've realized is that we have had the most meaningful relationships, the most meaningful products, the most impactful products when we're able to come in as early as possible to explore all the possibilities as to what the client may need to work on. And sometimes that's not even, we may, they may choose a different problem than what they originally yeah. came to us thinking about. They may choose, oh, actually, oh, I, I see what's going on here. We may need to start with something else first and reprioritize what we need to work on. And so again, this is an effect to get in with clients earlier so that we right. can be able to help them um, earlier in, in that opportunity funnel, but also make a more meaningful contribution. Well, and I think this is also, so for those that maybe I'm trying to think how to map it, make sure that I'm mapping it to the opportunity of how people would do this for themselves. And we're kind of sharing how Crema does it because that's going to be our context. But mm -hmm. if you're inside an organization, this is 
what we want to encourage people to do is really take advantage of the freedom and flexibility that you have in that early stage of curiosity and exploration. Right. Right. Once you, once you start down the path to actually making something, whether that's writing code or building a product or even designing a product and starting to go and building a team around it and everything else, you start to put foundations in place and, and structures in place that now make it more difficult to pivot away from that. It's not impossible. Mm-hmm. This is yep. why we would preach agile or lean, um, but it makes it more difficult or more challenging. So that early stage is a sweet spot of what are the potential possibilities or opportunities in front of us right now, given where we are at as a team or as an organization. Mm. I really like what you just said there, George, and to be fully transparent with our listeners, this, we tend to, at our organization, even with our own ideas, we'll have a bias for action sometimes. And we have to catch ourselves. We have to catch ourselves and pull us back because what you said, that sweet spot or that fertile ground where let's explore all the the seeds that are going into the ground. Um, Let's nurture those ideas uh, before we start what we call solutioning. You know, we, 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 We'd love to get creative. We love to start tinkering and there's nothing wrong with that, but there, you do need to have kind of like, not necessarily a firm grip, but you do need to have a hold on like, we're still going to, we're still in the exploration phase here. So we may start tinkering, but let's remain open or let's remain exploratory with a posture of what else, what other options, what are other possibilities? So I guess the question back to, for us to unpack though is, is why, why? Like, why does that matter? Why not just go ahead and pick something and start building it and go? Or why don't you just take the the most confident person in the room who tends to be the leader? Not mm-hmm. always, but tends to be mm-hmm. the leader. It's like, yeah, guys, I have a perspective. People have a perspective here. You don't have. And so I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And here's, here's what I want built. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everybody kind of scrambles to just go figure out what to build. Why take that time? You know, because it does. It ends up taking time, resources. It does. Um, <clears throat> perspectives, uh, discomfort. Um, it's an awkward phase. Mm-hmm. Why take that and go, no, let's, let's realign. Let's make sure that we're thinking about what the right hand is doing and the left hand is doing. Let's have mm-hmm. uh, this perspective brought, brought in. Hey, when's the last time we talked to the customer? All those things. Is this going to fit in our business model? Do we have a funding mechanism for this long term? All those things going into the conversation. Why, why do that rather than you know what? It's a lot simpler if we just go with what Tina there is saying that we should do, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's, yeah. you know, at least there's confidence. Let's keep rolling. Right. Why, yeah. Why, why pause? Why, why, yeah. why expect people are going to dive into this? Yeah. So I'll use my, my personal experience here is that on those big, your most important decisions, especially the ones that are long-term, you have time, you have time to gather. Um, don't get me wrong. Everyone makes important decisions every day that you need to make pretty fast, but the ones that really have the most impact on your long-term growth goals, value, whatever that may be, you do have the time to explore a little bit. And what I've seen in, within Crema's walls, when we do this for ourselves is that ideas can become exponential pretty quickly in a great Mm way. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, you throw up maybe 20 sticky notes and then everyone unpacks, 
their sticky notes or their ideas. And that just creates even more possibilities in someone's mind. And then you run another session. And before you know it, you've got 80 <laughs> sticky notes up there. And then you start to converge on one that is a kind of an amalgamation of all these things that got out. Because if, you know, if you're working in a group of even three people, the amount of possibilities and ideas generated, and it's just exponential and it builds and it accumulates, it's almost like a compound interest yeah. of, uh, you know, using, you know, investment term there, but there's a compound interest you can have if you allow that time. And the other point, you know, obviously from a leadership standpoint as as leaders, and you and I have had to work on this even with, uh, with our own teams is that the moment that a leader says, this is the way it shuts all ideas down. Yep. It really does, yep. unfortunately. And again, the leader may have a great idea and there's confidence and there's nothing wrong with that idea. But if you truly want exploration, it will shut things down. It's funny. I mean, I struggle with this. You know me. I'm an, oh, I, likewise. I, I, likewise. My, my handle on Twitter is still concepts guy. Right? Yeah. And uh, most meetings I walk in, I'm like, oh, I have a pretty good handle on how this is going to end, but I have to check myself of like, well, let's not operate that way. Yeah. Let's operate from asking questions. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's, that is a challenge because it, it asks the, the leader to be in a, a, a position of discomfort for a moment mm -hmm. to give space to, um, to, to listen and to, to accept new perspectives and to, to kind of see things from different angles. And then yes, uh, decisions have to be made. And that's where consent over consensus plays. And, and, you know, that not, no, there's never going to be a, a scenario where everyone agrees. Yes, for sure. This is what we all think we should do. Right. I mean, when that happens, you probably should throw, show up a little bit of a yellow, yellow, a red flag. We're probably missing a yep. perspective, you know? And I don't know about you, George, but one some of the, uh, the most fun times I have in those meetings is when an idea that I had no clue was even could yeah. be an idea is mentioned and people start to run with it. I'm like, that idea is 10 times better than mine. That is a lot of fun. <laughs> like it really happens. is. Cause then it's just yeah. like, then you get people's like, Oh, what about this? And what about this? And like, Oh right. yeah. It's like, okay, this would never have happened if it was only me in that room. Me it would have never happened. What? Yeah. And then leaders are surprised often when, when they're like, well, I don't understand why my team's not being creative and, and why they're not moving things forward in a, in a, in a more ambitious way. And it's like, well, the, the environment, the conditions that you've set to just say, hey, idea, demand, description, task mm -hmm. is, is not motivating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Like instead of saying, here's the true problem we're, we're trying to solve. We believe the direction is this, mm -hmm. is, is at least faced east. You know, mm -hmm. like we're going that way. Um, mm -hmm. we, we, we have a big, hairy, audacious goal of meeting this outcome. Now, the question we have is what is the road, the bridge, the, the vehicle, the thing that we're, we're traveling along, what does it look like that's going to get us there? We're not right. exactly sure. We, it could look like something like this and we throw it out, mm -hmm. but what, what bring ideas. What does the yep. customer want it to look like? What does the user want us to look like? How are they already hacking the system and can right. we learn from their hacks? You know, right. um, this is all a means of saying to, to stop, to pause, to take the time to get closer to the problem or mm -hmm. the opportunity and, and then to bring in the right voices that are going to have buy-in or perspective or um, need to be involved. Mm -hmm. So for us, traditionally, that, that used to take place with the strategist, a product manager in the team, 
usually it would take place at the beginning of a project where we would call them kind of alignment sessions mm-hmm. where for the most part it was like, yo, let's get together. We want to understand what you want. And so that we, we're not just looking at a spec sheet, but we want to hear it from your own voice and we can collect these things and then we can push on some stuff and understand. But really it was still about solutioning, right? The solution had already been established. And so we were, we were trying to figure out how to just make sure we understood the solution. Right now, as you described it, what we're trying to do is go back up that funnel and say, maybe you don't even you don't even know the solution, or you do have an idea for the solution, but not everyone in your organization is bought in or aligned, or maybe there is um, maybe there are some unknown unknowns. And so, yeah. how do we validate? How do we get confidence that the decisions we're going to make moving forward are not just the prettiest ones, the the most hyped ones, or the ones that have the biggest, most expensive signature on them, but actually the ones that are going to get this biggest impact? To move yep, forward. I love that unknown unknowns. Uh, what are the known unknowns? What are the mm-hmm. unknown unknowns? And that in and of itself can be a great session because um, it establishes to also like constraints as well. Okay. Uh, and as a leader, your a, a good part of your role is to help your team see the constraints to which we're operating in. You know, right. if you, you, you may be in an industry where they're, you know, from a regulatory standpoint um, yeah. or other constraints that you need to convey just from a contextual standpoint contextualization standpoint of could be budgetary. Honestly, you know, you walk in the room, Hey, I need everyone to understand what we're working with from a budget standpoint. I need everyone to understand what we're working with from again, a regulation or whatever that may be. Um, because what that does is that also creates uh, just again, fertile ground for even greater creativity. It's like, okay, what can we do within these constraints? And I think it can seem like, Oh, that's so confining. It's really not. It actually frees people up. If, if people have the willingness to have the posture that it's not confining. Right. So I've seen scenarios where um, great ideas are being thrown out. And we've kind of said, imagine a world where there are no, where there are no constraints, which is really, if, if you're not familiar with the, con- the concept of the double diamond, which is this idea of you started a single idea, you, you diverge, or you, so you go out and go wide and, and collect all the potential ideas, all the data you can find, et cetera. You then converge on a potential idea. And then you might do that again, right? So then you diverge again and you converge and that actually gets these incredible results. It's often used alongside design thinking and we'll unpack that a little bit here in a, in a bit. But what I've heard, or I've been in sessions where incredibly creative ideas are being thrown out. Mm-hmm. Some of them good, some of them not, but that's okay because we're in that stage of exploring. And what a person, whether it's the leader or someone who has a, a challenger um, personality or, you know, a voice will go, that's impossible. We can't do that. It's, it's against regulation mm-hmm. or that's impossible to be way too expensive. We're not doing that mm-hmm. rather than giving it space to say, okay, what, what was underneath that suggestion? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something in the ingredients of that suggestion or that idea or that solution that we can pull out and go, you know what, we could do something like that, but if we change mm-hmm. it in this way, we'll check the boxes for regulatory or or compliance. If we do it this way, if we trim back on these mm-hmm. like feature parity of matching our biggest competitor, but instead we do something super unique that wish is going to be us, we don't have to build a $10 million platform. We can build a $1 million or $2 million platform. Mm-hmm. It shifts the perspective, but you have to be willing to allow those ideas to come in, explore those potentials before you then go, no, this is, this is what we're going to move forward. We have to move forward with this. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
over the next couple episodes, we're going to be um, talking to some actual other folks on our team. Um, where mm-hmm. we want to introduce you to that exploratory team, and it's made up of three kind of pillars um, that um, can have different titles, different roles, and they're really very cross-functional. But also, um, cross each person is very cross-discipline as well. So they're off, they're almost all great facilitators. They're all great at. Um, uh, really moving ideas and exploring and unpacking things, mm-hmm. but each of them brings a skill set to the table. So for us, it ends up looking like um, facilitation or kind of the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Who needs to be here? What leader should should be involved? How does how does your finance model work? Um, what are constraints of budget, time, um, compliance, that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Then there's the the visual side of it. So what can we create? Is it a landing page to test the idea? Is it a ad? Is it a, a little prototype? Um, is it a? Is it just one screen? Right. Mm-hmm. What could we? What could we? Could, could we create to start to test and bring some of these ideas to life to validate the direction that we're going forward? And then third is that functional piece. So that might be writing a little functional prototype, or testing out a new AI framework to to see if we can get facial recognition to work on something, or. Or what can we bring in that go that we could say, you know, this is a little out of the box, but let's let's sprinkle this a little bit and see what if this brings any new ideas to the table. So it tends to be those three pieces, kind of the business, the mm-hmm. visual, and the functional. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and again can have lots of different mixes, lots of different involvement. Um, but we're going to interview each of those, each each person in that group, and unpack what that means. And out of full transparency, this is a year of us deepening and refining that craft. Mm-hmm. Y'all, it's January. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're, we're early in the year. We're, we're still exploring our exploratory services. That's exactly right. So you're going to get to go along this journey with us. Um, if you've listened to previous series where we've talked about things like Web3 or where we've explored our framework, a lot of that, that exposure to how we explore ideas and unpack topics is really as a means to say, it's okay to play and to try new things. I was just having this conversation with a family member last night and uh, she was asking about getting into a new, um, like a second career in life. And, and one of the biggest challenges is, is do I have the permission to play? Do I have the permission to go learn something new at this stage in life? Mm-hmm. Um, and will it make sense? What's the risk reward? How much time do I put into this? Mm-hmm. What's the competition look like? Do I buy that weird course online that I just saw that sounds like it's too good to be true? Probably not, just as a side note. Um, <laughs> but these are all areas where you say, absolutely, curiosity is the the, the linchpin or the, the starting line to innovation. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is trying to invite people together to to do that. So, so Dan, as we kind of wrap this up and try to, you know, I wanted this to just be an episode to kind of plant the seeds of the episodes yeah. we're going to create from here on out. What are some of the, well, let's say ingredients? We've mentioned mm-hmm. a few of them, but mm-hmm. what are some of the things that are in play? What's involved yeah. when we think about our exploratory services? Yeah. And as we mentioned these, these are not fully um, 
this is not an exhaustive list. These are some yeah, things yeah. that will, but um, just some ideas that as we think about the environment, because we're bringing those disciplines into an environment and we're bringing other individuals in. And so what do we want to be true from a posture standpoint from just, yeah, what, what should define yeah. the, yeah, the environment that we're working in, obviously time. So uh, part of this is to have really good, I'll say well, these two together, time and collaboration. So mm-hmm. a lot of good time. Um, it collaborating with all of the decision makers that, that need to be in the room. Cause here's what, here's what can happen. Um, and we've seen situations like this where some really good work has been done. And then the decision maker who, for whatever reason, you know, he or she, you know, maybe caught up in something else, but then they come into the room and then the kibosh is thrown on oh, a lot of it. Kibosh, and I tell you what, that can be really, uh, that can be a, just a morale killer and at that point, you need to make sure that you have a really great facilitator that can kind of like, okay, how do I turn this around? So mm-hmm. time, collaboration, uh, proximity to the customer. That's mm-hmm. a big one. Uh, that's a pretty, I don't want to say traditional, but a common uh, principle, wh- whether you're using design thinking, design sprint, whatever type of framework you're using, there needs to be some level of proximity to the customer because um, I heard someone say at one time that when you're engaging in this type of strategy or exploratory work, what you're saying is we can get in front, we can help you bring a design tested strategy led uh, proposal or uh, proposed solution to those that are going to make the decision could be a board, could be the C-suite or whatever, but that creates proximity to the customer. Cause there's gotta be in back to what you said, business design. Mm-hmm. How do you connect the pro- prototype or the solution to the business itself, the business model and what it's going to do for the customer. And I would say a lot of people, they decide, they decide to skip that or they're, really, yeah. it, it's probably one of the best, most fear inducing elements. Well, and so, it, it, that also takes time going back to that issue of time. Yeah. 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 I, I just, I, I've seen so many companies where they don't want to take the time to do it. They don't, they're afraid of telling the customer something that they won't like or showing them something that, that maybe they can't deliver on yet or whatever that might be. And instead of giving, <laughs> instead of giving the customer the benefit of the doubt of being intelligent enough to, to be able to handle that conversation, mm-hmm. um, they they basically say no 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 the customer doesn't know what they want or we know what's best for them or we represent them that's often we hear that a lot no 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 we've got teams that represent our customer like well that yeah that's great I, I'm, that's a good thing to do can we talk to the customer themselves you know like um, and also how do you this is a little plug a little plug for Crema just a little one or a, a team like Crema is how do you bring someone in that maybe has a relatively non-biased perspective where they're going to mm-hmm. say, we want to interview, we want to talk to your customer so that it's not um, coming across as though like we're selling you something. Mm-hmm. Cause at this stage, we're right. not yet selling you something. We're, we're wanting to make sure we're creating something of value for you mm-hmm. that hopefully if given the opportunity to, it will be worth the exchange of currency in some way. Right. Um, yep. So yeah, keep going. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, the next one, uh, you can call it, you know, you can say creative thinking. You could also say, you know, be curious. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. It's it's a posture of no idea is a bad idea. We're in a space where we don't want to know, we do want to know exactly what you're thinking. Unvarnished mm-hmm. opinions. Mm-hmm. We want to structure an area where debate can happen. We can deliberate. We can challenge one another. 
And that's what we mean by creative thinking. I think when someone says, okay, we're going to do some creative thinking exercises, they're like, oh gosh, what is this going to involve? Um, but really I'm it's not just, creative. <laughs> yeah. I can't draw, I can't yeah. sketch, which, and there might be some exercises to that, but really it's a bunch of exercises facilitated to draw out as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so going in with a, maybe a posture of humility and curiosity to bring your best self to whatever idea you have to bring out. That's what we mean by creative thinking. Um, and then consent over consensus. This has been a great add to our language uh, for a yeah. long time. Um, you know, sometimes things can be designed by committee. <laughs> And oh, what boy. that does, um, it can put a halt on things because uh, there's this desire to have every single person agree. Now, you want to be aligned. You definitely want to be as aligned and committed as possible. But that doesn't mean that everyone has to be 100% on board with the direction you're going. That's right. And so there's almost, I'm giving per my own permission to this team that we're going to have consent over consensus. Um, and there's a difference consensus. It's hard to get there. Yep. It's hard to get there 100%. Um, but consent is like, I am, I am trusting the direction that the team sets. I am trusting the decision maker that we've all identified. Yes. This person is the key decision maker. So at, at some point they're going to make a decision and I'm committing to that decision because I'm committing to this principle of consent. Over and consensus. we may find it's right or wrong later on and that's yep. okay. And that um, is okay. That's part of the process. Yeah. Yep. And then, then two more, uh, permission to experiment. And I think this is, uh, this relates to, uh, context yeah. is that it is really hard to have a wonderful exploratory engagement or session. If someone holds all, all the cards from an information standpoint, you have to give everyone access, yeah. access yeah. to the same information access and transparency or otherwise they don't have full permission to experiment because now they're experimenting in a vacuum. They don't With have their hands all... tied behind their back. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And we've seen that. And so if you are a leader and you want, truly do want to have an innovative team, you've got to give everyone permission to experiment. And that starts by giving them all the context, being as transparent as you can so that, and that in and of itself gives them a great leeway to start experimenting because like you said, George, their hands won't be tied behind their back. Yeah. Cause the last thing you want to get is someone brings you something that's like, well, you can't do that because of this. It's like, well, why didn't you tell me? I wouldn't have even gone down this road. <laughs> why am I here right now? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then the last one is, um, yeah, I love this one. Uh, comfort with ambiguity. Um, or a lot of times we'll say how, uh, how accepting are you? What's your level of ambiguity acceptance? Right. And, and this just gets greater you know, the higher you get in leadership, but it's not just for leadership. When you join a team and you're going to be involved in some highly innovative work, some exploratory work, there are a lot of, like you said earlier, George, and you were spot on is just the unknown unknowns mm -hmm. and you have to be comfortable with it or, yep. or maybe just, you have to accept it. Right. And if you are, have, if you do have some discomfort, that's okay. Cause that will lead you to being even more, um, exploratory or have a greater posture of like, okay, this is, this is uncomfortable, but that's okay because we don't know everything. So I'm going to continue to explore here, but yeah. And I think that's one that we do a lot of coaching with is like, oh, cause yeah. it's not, there's not all the, it's not like baking. It's not written out in a, in a recipe. I hate baking, it's but not... I'm also very comfortable <laughs> with ambiguity. Right. 
there's, it's not all, it can't be all made into a process. There has to be a level of ambiguity that you embrace as you move into um, this type of work. Yeah. And it's so funny as you're, as you're saying all this, I'm like, I'm thinking of our role, right. As founders and entrepreneurs, it, there's so much of this is, is really about an entrepreneur spirit. Yeah. And, um, and what we're actually asking is for teams to kind of bring that entrepreneur spirit back or bring it back into the, the conversation. And for those that don't have that spirit, we're kind of training them how, and then we're bringing it to the table sometimes when we come in as a, as a, as a partner. Um, but all of this is about saying, if you want to innovate, if you want to have those big risk reward moments, if you want to, to creatively, you know, solve problems in, in, uh, create efficiencies and new business opportunities. None of that happens by sticking with the status quo. Mm-hmm. None of that happens by just doing what one person thinks. Right. Um, even the biggest companies that have really strong entrepreneur public figures like Elon mm-hmm. Musk's or, you know, Jeff mm-hmm. Bezos and stuff, they still have a culture albeit not all the teams are like this, but they still have a culture where they're fostering this sense of, of autonomy, exploration, right. experimentation. I mean, take Amazon example. For how long did they say, we don't care about profit. We're taking all of our profits and putting it back into creativity and coming up with new ideas to build new service lines, to build new products, to serve more customers, to build infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And now they're the most profitable company in the world. Right. right. Um, I don't know if they're the most profitable company. That's not, that mean, I'm probably, uh, that's we'll a just, misquote. We'll, we'll just say they're highly profitable. Well, or they're successful. <laughs> I mean, there you whatever. Go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying those companies are perfect. They all have their issues. But right. um, what we're suggesting is that organizations that struggle to do this need to take opportunities um, to think this way, change their, their postures, and, and look at a, a moment of, oppor- uh, of exploring. Look at a moment of exploring. The only other thing I'll add that we didn't have on our list, I was just thinking about as we were talking, is data. Mm. Is having access to what's in play. So context, data, um, you know, there is a huge movement now in the fact that companies, especially large companies, have all this data that they've been collecting Mm -hmm. for the last X number of years in their databases and their their platforms and their stuff, and they don't know how that fits in with the story. And right. So um, that could be their own personal data. It also could be working with a vendor that can pull in external or benchmark data. Um, and so those are all things we're, we're looking at as we explore, as we explore the exploratories. Mm. So meta. Oh, I get it. I know. I know. Well, <laughs> this is it. Let's, uh, we're, we're not meta like the company meta. We, no, uh, no. That's, no. can't say that anymore. Um, um, we're just getting started. Uh, so come along this journey with us, subscribe if you haven't already. Um, and then the next couple episodes, we're really going to unpack what this means for each of the roles or the, the skills, the capabilities that we're bringing to the table. Um, and then, uh, we'd love your feedback as, as we, hmm. we go down this path. So definitely check out peopleproduct.us to learn more about other episodes and go back and learn more about our web three conversations, our framework and more, but, um, I'm excited to go. Mm. Make our make our vital few public this year. Yes. So come along this journey with us. Thanks. Loving man. it. See you, George. Bye. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Julie Branson and Steph Inger. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.